Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Okay, now that we're at a distance, can I still raise the level of instruction while being far away? Hey, Leader of Learning, welcome to episode 72 of the podcast. And once again, I hope you're all doing well in these uncertain times and during distance learning and all of the things that we've had to adjust and adapt to over the past few weeks and really in just a short amount of time. Speaking of which, I'm happy to bring back onto the show in episode 72, Matt Miller, who, if you're a connected educator, you must know this guy. Matt is known for his book, Ditch That Textbook. He's known for the podcast, Google Teacher Tribe, that he does with Casey Bell. And I thought, who better to bring on than this tech expert? And he had a lot to say and a lot to offer when it comes to using technology and how to really do distance learning. Matt hadn't been on my show in over two years, and I was happy to bring him back on, talk a little bit about distance learning, and of course, ask him about his new book, Tech Like a Pirate, that'll be released soon through Dave Burgess Consulting. So without further ado, here's my interview with Matt Miller. All right. I am privileged and it is my honor to welcome back a former guest. It's been a long time, but uh, we've caught up a couple times since in person even, but it's been a while since he's been on the show. Mr. Matt Miller, welcome back to the Leader of Learning podcast. And uh, just in case anybody doesn't know who you are, if you could please introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Yeah. Hey, Dan, thanks so much. Um, excited to be invited back after almost three years off. It's been too long. We got to do this a little more often next time. But um, my yeah, name is Matt right. Miller. Yeah, I taught um, high school Spanish here in West Central Indiana for more than 10 years at a, a couple of little bitty schools. The one I was at most recently had a graduating class of 32 kids, like teeny tiny little schools. But um, <laughs> the thing I found with those is a lot of the you know kids are kids, whether they're in big schools or little schools, there's a lot of similarities. Um, but after that, I uh, wrote a book called Ditch That Textbook and have since written a couple of other books too, uh, Ditch That Homework and Don't Ditch That Tech. And now I, uh, you know, I write at the Ditch That Textbook blog. Uh, I've got a couple of podcasts. Um, privileged to get to do professional development with uh, teachers really all over the United States. And um, it also gives me the opportunity to have conversations with cool people like you. Yeah, no, I like having conversations with cool people like you. And and listen, I, I really do. I'm a fan uh, of the podcast and, and of your work in general. And uh, actually, one of the things that I wanted to mention that has definitely happened since the last time that we caught up on, on the show is uh, your podcast that you do with Casey Bell, the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, uh, 1 million downloads. Or yeah. It must be well well beyond 1 million downloads at this point. I mean, that is mm-hmm. unbelievable. I know. Like what, how, how do you like what do you think about that? I mean, that's got to be like mind blowing, right? Yeah, it is completely <laughs> mind blowing. That podcast started as a passion project when um, Casey and I met at the Google Teacher Academy. You know, now they call it the Google Innovator Academy, but um, we were in Austin, Texas in 2014 and we met for the first time. We're real familiar with each other's blogs. Casey's the uh, creator of the Shake Up Learning blog. And um, we both 
were interested in podcasting, but didn't have one of our own. And we kind of turned that into our innovator project, or I guess Google or yeah, whatever they called it back then. I don't know. But, um, you know, we started that, gosh, I think it's been four seasons now. And we, um, we eclipsed a hundred episodes and got to a million downloads, which I mean, blows me away. Whenever we think about the number, I mean, if you extrapolate the data out, all of the people that download every single episode, it just starts to blow your mind. And I mean, it's the same way with your podcast too. You know, if you think of the number of downloads that you get per episode and you put them in a building, right? I'm not, I'm not even close to a million. Let's not, let's well, not no, go there. No. I mean, I think That's, I do a good job. <laughs> you do, no, you no, do. No. But if you think about, you know, hundreds or maybe thousands or whatever in an episode and you put all of them in one room and just think about what that would be like. I mean, it's, it's kind of humbling when you, when you look at a podcast that way, isn't it? It is humbling. And, and even though I don't get nearly the numbers that, that you guys get, um, you know, it, it's pretty awesome uh, to know that you are you're putting out content that not only you know are people listening to but uh you know hopefully really getting inspiration from and and you know when i back in 2016 2017 i definitely had moments where i was growing in terms of like my own career path and i just felt this this greater calling if you will to uh, try and inspire educators, not just in my building or in my district, but just out there, right? And and so that's what led me to it. And I, I know this is going to be a bit of an uncomfortable question, but like, why, I guess, do you think if you were to put it in your own words or think about it you know, and reflect on it, like, why do you think that that podcast and, and your work in general resonates with people like it does? Because I, I mean, obviously it does. What, yeah. Why do you think so? Yeah, with the with the Google Teacher podcast or the Ditch That Textbook or both or just either. I, I guess both because I, I feel like they kind of go hand in hand a little sure. bit. Yeah, um, I'll speak to to the Google Teacher podcast first because um, that's one when we created it, there wasn't really anything like it. You know, there used to be. Um, there used to be this podcast called the Google Educast. I listened to every episode of this thing and it was like, you know, four or five or six Google innovators all on one video call and they kind of talked all over each other, but they were talking about Google in the classroom and there really wasn't anything else to listen to related to that. Um, and so we really felt like there was just a void there, you know, and, um, you know, there's so many uh, educators that are using um, you know, Google products in this case that wanted to know about the news and updates that wanted to know about practical ways they could use their stuff that we wanted to be able to ask questions. And I mean, we just kind of filled the void, um, in that way. And we've been very fortunate that people have wanted to listen. And I think with, um, ditch that textbook, it's the sort of the same thing. It's the idea of, um, you know, practical ways to put, you know, good teaching practices into place, you know, making it easy and efficient and, um, you know, easy to wrap your brain around. And, um, I don't know, I feel like, especially nowadays, now that tech, I kind of feel like, I don't know about you, Dan, but I kind of feel like with technology, we're starting to turn a corner a little bit because, um, for a while it was like, we're just trying to wrap our brain around this technology thing. Like, oh my goodness, what is a Google doc? Oh my goodness, what can I do with this? So can I really use this in the classroom? I've got all of these devices now, what in the world am I gonna do with them? And there's still lots of schools that are in that place. But I kind of feel like in some ways we're starting to turn a corner a little bit from how in the world do I turn this thing on to 
how do I use it meaningfully to teach kids? And I think, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and I think, um, a couple of points that you made, you know, as a fan of your work, I think that, you know, you mentioned how it's basically relatable. The content speaks to people in terms of that it's simplistic enough that that people can really get into and get behind. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, like that piece about technology and, and instructionally speaking, that it's kind of turning a corner now. And, and maybe uh, just to add on to what you said, finally, you know, really becoming a, a tool that is used less and less for content consumption and more and more for content creation. And, you know, I think as a listener of your podcast and, and since I, you know, follow your work, I, I think I've noticed that where uh, it is less and less about teachers just using technology as a tool to present information and definitely putting it more and more in the hands of students when it comes to student ownership of their own work. Yeah. No, I think, I think so, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, in uh, the fact that we're now finding ourselves in these uh, strange times of school shutdowns and distance learning, I feel like that's a natural segue into, you know, just the fact that we have to use technology at this point. And, um, you know, a, as a I don't know what you want to call yourself, an expert in ditching that textbook and go into technology. Like, how have you found, you know, your role as a support in all of this as teachers now go to this online learning? Are we there yet in terms of teachers still being able to give technology over to students for them to own their own work? Or are we... I don't know. Where are we, I guess, right now with all yeah. that? Yeah. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on it too, because you're right in the trenches with with me when it comes to that. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know that there is a huge need right now. You know, as we record this right now, lots of schools are still closed and um, it, they haven't been closed for very long. And a lot of teachers are still sort of in <laughs> what I keep calling the... Um, break glass in case of emergency mode, you know, like, yeah, it's like oh my shock. goodness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my goodness, I need to get lessons up on my learning management system and I have to have them ready for the whole next week and I've got to do it today. And so, you know, they're kind of panicking and trying to, you know, trying to get that stuff out there in a hurry. So that's level one. And I feel like in some ways we're still very much in level one where we're just scrambling where some teachers, I should say, are just scrambling to get it done. Now, of course, you've got some of the early adopters, you know, some of the ones who have believed in using technology and have been integrating it meaningfully for a while. And they're like, I was born for this, you know, like in, in a way, you know, like they're, they're going, I've, I've been ready for this moment. Um, so let's, let's do this. And for them, I think it's a, it's an opportunity to, put those tech skills to the test and see, okay, now that we're at a distance, can I still raise the level of instruction while being far away? Um, so I think we're definitely very much in level one, but I think that we will slowly evolve into level two, which is, you know, if you want to make it like an analogy of like someone just got tossed in the middle of a lake, you know, level one is I'm underwater and I'm trying to get to the surface trying to just catch my breath. And level two is going to be, I've gotten to the the surface. Now I just need to maintain myself above water. And so um, I've seen an awful lot of, and, and Dan, I know in, in your district, you've, you've seen, I'm sure um, some level of this at least where 
the the educators that have gotten their head above water and now they're going, okay, what am I going to do with this for the rest of the year? This is like level two. And I think, um, you know, this is where they start asking lots of questions. And there has been so much buzz on social media and on Twitter. Um, I know my uh, website, Ditch That Textbook, um, has had record traffic numbers for the last week and a half or so, just because people are coming to, you know, finding through Google, finding through social media, all of these posts on things that they can do in their classrooms. And so, um, you know, I really feel like this is that moment for those of us like you and I, and probably a lot of the people that listen to your podcast, this is our moment where we get to push the future of how technology is used in the classroom in the right direction. Because I feel like mm -hmm. the, the pessimist in me thinks this can be used to replicate worksheets online and do it faster. You know, some of them could see this as an opportunity to take their old teaching practices and make them more efficient. The other side of that is the optimist in me that thinks maybe this is the opportunity for folks like you and I and the others listening to this to push things in the right direction. So I'm hoping for more the optimist than the pessimist. Sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking, you know, definitely in, in my district, and, and actually I was telling you just before we hit record, our initial directive by our district was to plan for 10 days worth of instruction. We knew the school was going to be closing um, soon. We weren't quite sure when, but we were told 10 days. And literally the words out of my principal's mouth were digitized sub plans. Oh, so to yeah. your point, it was definitely that that level one, like you say, or I actually saw somebody put this up and it made total sense. And I don't know how many of the listeners out there are familiar with the SAMR model, but it was like, look, live at that S level for now, at least yeah. for now. Like, so, yeah, yeah, it's OK to substitute, like you said, your worksheets and, and you know, handouts or, or whatever. Um, so, OK, we're living at level one for a little while, but let's be honest, schools are shutting down now longer and longer. And like you said, some are even already closed out for the rest of the year. We need to, at some point, get out of level one. And, and this is for my district and so many districts out there, because if we don't, uh, our kids, I guess I'm, I'm fearful, like our kids are going to lose it. Um, yeah. And teachers can easily sit back and just put up, you know, post assignment after assignment after assignment to Google Classroom or Canvas or Schoology or whatever they're using. Kids are going to lose their freaking minds, though, yeah. you know, at some point. So I, I guess um, I guess what I'm wondering and I'm kind of trying to figure this out a little bit myself, too. Maybe we could talk each other through it. Like, OK, how do we get then to that next level? Uh, yeah. You know, go beyond the S in SAMR or go beyond that level one, like you mentioned. Where, where do we go next? Yeah, um, I'll I'll throw something out to you. Um, this is actually a little piece in my new book, Tech Like a Pirate. So I'll give you a little pre sneak preview of this. Um, this is in the in one of the very last chapters, because um, I feel like right now, um, a lot of us that have been thrown into this online learning environment that aren't familiar with it feel overwhelmed. You know, they feel overwhelmed with, they, they know what they, they want to do, but there's all of these digital tools to use and there's all of these different ways to do it. And everybody's doing something different. And so it feels like they're just totally overwhelmed. And I think it's, there, there's a helpful definition of overwhelm that I've been leaning on a lot lately. Um, and it's this that overwhelm is not the problem of having too many options. It's not knowing where to start. And so 
if you think of it that way and you just need to identify a place to start, um, I, I've got three places where I think people can start that might sort of empower them to get to that level too, because, you know, this will help them to know where to start. And so number one, I think is to start small, you know, start with something that makes you say, I can do that. You know, something that's accomplishable, something that can make you say that. Um, number two is to start with impact. You know, if there is an area where students are struggling or where you're struggling instructionally, where you know that there could be some improvement that would lead to impact on the kids, you know, something that is sort of low that needs to be bumped up, that would be a good place to start. And I think number three is start with passion. You know, what are you interested in? What are you excited about? What are the kids excited about? And, you know, um, it's hard to argue with passion because that's sort of what pulls you through in those downtimes. So, you know, if we're trying to get out of that survival level one up to the level two of, you know, how can I make sense of this? Or even if we want to go higher than that, I think maybe starting first finding where to start and then either starting small, starting with impact or starting with passion. I think any of those are, are good ways to go. That's great advice. And I feel like what that would do for both the teacher and the student would be uh, to, to just allow for some comfort in this really uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for the teacher, it would be take something that you're, you're interested in, you're passionate about and, let the students explore that and explore what they're passionate about. And and I think that um, what that does is it, it kind of, I don't know, I guess for lack of a better term, it like helps break down walls a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff out at everybody, it's like, Hey, let's, let's use this as an opportunity to bring in what we're passionate about together. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so many people, uh, out there, and and I, I even saw uh, a friend of mine, a parent in, in my town, throw out on Facebook a picture uh, just earlier today of her son holding up a sign that said "Thank you" to um, the teachers and the administrators, like acknowledging that everybody is going through this at the same time and yeah. essentially at that same level of experience because no one's ever done this before. Um, and and so I think to to your point, finding something that everyone is passionate about kind of brings everyone together on such an awesome level that they can't be connected socially and physically, but at least they can find something to connect with and to kind of gather around community wise while we're all distant from each other. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, we know that there are tons of kids out there who are, and it's, you know, it's it's not totally the fault of the the teachers but they're they're having some really crummy online instruction right now and it makes school feel like a drag and it drags down the kid and it definitely drags down the whole family you know the um adults that are helping them out and um you know whenever you've got just that little bit of passion if you've got something like that that you can bring to the table um it changes that dynamic a little bit and it brings that love of learning back together a little bit. So yeah, anytime that we can pull a little bit of that passion in, if, if it's the thing that the students are passionate about, that's great. But I think even if it's something that the teacher is passionate about, passion is contagious, you know, so a little bit of that rubs off on the kids sometimes too. So I think either one of those is a good way to go. I think you make a great point. 
Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I probably should have mentioned this already. Sort of a disclaimer: we're obviously sort of assuming that uh, that students have access to technology and and devices. And I know that's a, a major issue. And I'm not trying to take away from that fact because equity is an issue. So many students do not have access, um, and, and so we're sort of assuming here that that students do. Um, assuming then that students have access and teachers are able to provide as much as they possibly can uh, distance and digital learning. Of course, you're, you're a Google guy. Um, what are some of your kind of go-to or, or what would you recommend that teachers uh, steer toward in terms of the actual tech? Sure. Yeah, I'll give I'll give a couple of examples. Um, and the nice thing about this too, since you were talking about um, access or lack of access, um, some of the examples I'm going to give here are things that if you have the devices, and again, we're going to make the assumption that you have the devices. Um, these are things that could be done without internet access. Um, you know, especially I know if you're working with Chromebooks um, and you're able to, I know some uh, Google admins will turn off the ability to, you know, create new documents while you're offline, which I, it still blows my mind why people do that. But um, if they're able to do that, here are a couple of things that you can do. Um, you know, number one, I think one of the, greatest tools that is available in a in a Google Slides presentation is the the ability to insert images with the webcam. And so if you start to do that, that opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, again, like what you were saying earlier, Dan, this kind of turns us from the consumers to the creators. And so by taking a picture of yourself and then using the shapes to put a little speech bubble or thought bubble next to yourself, um, you could even take pictures with your webcam and put them on separate slides and make it almost like stop motion animation. So, you know, you could take like an object and have it start like this, take a picture of it, put it into a slide. And then on the next one, the object turns like this, put it on a slide, turn it like this, put it on a slide, or even, you know, taking pictures of items on a table and have them move around. Like that would be a really easy way to show cell mitosis is, you know, to put some of those little, um, you know, put little representations of the different parts of the cell and have them divide. Um, so lots of possibility when it comes to that. Um, you know, you can even take those photos and turn them into a photo comic strip. So, you know, you take uh, three or four or maybe even six photos and put them all in a line, add little speech bubbles. Um, of course, if you have internet access and you're able to search the web for some images, you can even pull some images in there to, to do it that way too. But I think one of the big keys for me anyway, is to keep it simple, kind of like what you you were saying earlier too, um, but also to try to stick to tools that kids are already familiar with. And that's one of the reasons that I really, really like leaning on Google Slides is that a lot of kids have had um, some sort of interaction with slides or something similar to slides. Um, the user interface is similar to a lot of the other Google tools. Um, plus, you know, even if you just use one slide, you know, just one single slide, it gives you all sorts of design possibilities. So you're able to pull in images and text and shapes and lines and stuff and put them exactly where you want and then almost create them like a, like an image. Like um, one more thing you can do with it too is to, you know, if you want to, if you want to keep it simple, let's do some digital interactive posters. 
you know, so take a slide, throw some images onto it, put some text with it, but then also hyperlink some stuff and maybe even embed some, some videos. Um, and when you start to hyperlink things, you're kind of transforming that old poster project into something that's interactive because now you can click on it and go off to something else. Again, if you've got the internet connection, um, you create that link and it goes, you know, so now it's basically like a jumping off point for more information instead of just the end all be all. So you know, that's, that's a little one where you can take something that teachers are familiar with, you know, the poster project. So many of us have done that before, but then be able to move it from the substitution level, maybe to the augmentation level or the modification level by, you know, adding some of those links and adding some of that, um, you know, some of that media. So those are, those are a couple of ideas that you could run with. Those are great ideas. I really appreciate that. You know, I think obviously, as we've said before, people are uh, getting their feet wet here, dipping their toes in, you know, and uh, everybody's still a little bit lost and, and feeling it out. And, you know, we got to we gotta rise to the occasion. And, and uh, I don't know about you. I just think that uh, the education community, like in general, that the greater community has really banded together in a very like unprecedented way right now to come together and, and help each other out. And, you know, you, you have a lot of res resources out there and, and I really appreciate that, um, you know, as, as someone who uh, is there to support teachers with, you know, tech and non-tech alike, but, but mostly your, your ideas uh, where you ditch the textbook and uh, all of the technologies. And, and speaking of technologies and books, um, you know, I really did want to get you on here to talk about your upcoming book. I know you teased it out a couple of minutes ago, but uh, Tech Like a Pirate, of course, Dave Burgess Consulting and all the amazing things that uh, that company has going on. As a matter of fact, I just had Tara Martin on the show and, uh, you know, it's kind of apropos. Maybe she came on just before you, but, you know, that's a book that's coming up. Um, it looks like maybe the end of April. So, you know, we're coming up on it soon. And, and of course, in these crazy times that we're in right now, distance learning and digital learning, I know that a lot of people will get a lot out of that book. So uh, if you could tell us a little bit more about that. And, and I know you have a resource out there where people can already start going to get some ideas there. If you could share that as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I'll keep it short for you too. Um, so the book, Tech Like a Pirate, and if you don't know anything about the whole pirate brand and everything, this sounds like a ridiculous name for a book, I understand. But um, it's it's a spin-off of the book, Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess. And the reason I wanted to write this was because there was this one line in Dave Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate, that has stuck with me for years. And he says, don't just teach a lesson, create an experience. And that chain that that seriously changed that one line changed the way that I taught. And from the moment that I got his book, I kept seeing all of these ways that you could teach by creating an experience using technology, you know, using the classroom tech that we've got and the apps and the devices and everything. And so, um, you know, for the last several years, I've kind of been without realizing it, answering the question how can we create an experience with the technology that we have? And there are all sorts of different ways. In fact, in the book, I give you seven different ways that you can tech like a pirate. So there's, you know, seven, seven categories there. Um, and so that, like, like you said, that book is uh, due out, I think. Things are changing a lot right now, but I think by the end of April. Um, but if uh, folks want to take a look at what it's going to be about, um, I've got a link where you can go get a whole bunch of resources related to the book for totally for free uh, before the book even comes out. Been publishing a bunch of stuff related to um, those seven things. And so if you go to ditchthattextbook.com slash techlap, 
T-E-C-H-L-A-P, like tech like a pirate. So ditch that textbook.com slash tech lap. That's going to have lots of free resources related to the book. It's going to kind of feel like I'm giving the book away right there on the page, but I promise there's a bunch of other good stuff coming in the book too. Well, great, man. I, you know, I'm excited for the book and, uh, you know, it's, it's very odd and difficult to say that I'm excited about the potential of what may come out of these uncertain times and in terms of the distance learning and, and digital learning. But like you said, I, I do think that in a lot of ways, it will at least change the way that we think and change the way that we approach teaching. And, you know, just to get back to the point you just made about the quote that you took from, you know, uh, teach like a pirate. If nothing else, I really hope that what comes out of this is that for teachers to understand, they can and should be creating experiences for students, regardless of whether they're in a classroom, at home, with technology, without technology, that that's really where the the most impactful learning comes from. So uh, I appreciate you for all you do. I thank you for being on the show for the first time in two and a half years, over two and a half years. So, you know, again, like we've talked uh, a couple times since even in person, but Mm -hmm. it's been a while. So I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your work and um, yeah, man, just good luck with everything and good luck with the book. Of course, the link will be in the show notes for this episode and Matt Miller, thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning.